The Afropreneur Podcast, a podcast for African entrepreneurs, presents inspiring, innovative, and disruptive entrepreneurs from Africa as they share their lessons, insights, and learnings from their unique entrepreneurial ventures. I'll be your host. My name is Ogweno Stephen. Let's roll. Welcome to another episode of the Afropreneur Podcast, where we host incredible African entrepreneurs, their stories, their insights, and... Today we are joined by one incredible guest, Mr. Victor Ambuyo. Uh, Victor will be telling us a bit of his entrepreneurial story, his insights and lessons that he has learned along the way in his more than five years experience as an entrepreneur. So over to you, Victor. How are you doing? Hi, Stephen. How are you doing? Glad to be here. Mm -hmm. Thank you for hosting me on your podcast. Mm -hmm. Looking forward to this incredible uh, session. Hopefully my insights will be... Well, insightful. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, can already go on. So what's a brief introduction to yourself and what's your background? Awesome, awesome. So just to give an overview, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm Victor Mbuyo. Uh, uh, I'm a tech entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And by this I mean I have uh, more or less founded uh, tech companies or mm-hmm. companies that use tech to, to bring about solutions. Mm-hmm. I've also invested in tech companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, currently, most people know me as a, well as a developer mm-hmm. cause, uh, because I run two companies that most one of them does custom software development based mm-hmm. in Kenya. Mm-hmm. And another company, which is a digital marketing agency, mm-hmm. still runs in Kenya, and uh, we're soon expanding to East Africa. Mm. And also, that's just me, and over in a nutshell. All right, yeah. interesting. What has been your entrepreneurship journey? Um, where did you start? How has it been? How has the experience been so far? And uh, what's that story? Ah, awesome, awesome. So, for me, getting into entrepreneurship, it was. It's actually quite funny because. Mm. I was an entrepreneur before I knew I was an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. simply because I've always had a knack of making money. Mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I like mark, making money more than I like spending. Mm. So my first stint as an entrepreneur was around, I was around 12, 13 years old. Mm-hmm. And what I was doing is, uh, I remember the first time we were living in this certain estate in Nairobi. Mm. And then I noticed a need. I noticed mm-hmm. that everyone was uh, eating bread. Uh, people had to go long distances to mm-hmm. get bread from a supermarket. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know what? We can actually start something here. Mm-hmm. So I ganged up with a couple of my friends. Mm-hmm. We set up a mandazi joint. I think mm-hmm. most people know a mandazi joint is in Kenya. <laughs> and then we started mm-hmm. more or less kneading the dough and mm-hmm. making mandazis and selling them. Mm-hmm. And we started making money. And mm-hmm. uh, I was... I was in class eight at the time, Mm -hmm. and I think we did it for a couple of months, but then we got shut down by the health, uh, Mm -hmm. the health uh, bodies around Mm -hmm. that place because Mm -hmm. we were not. We thought of the money, but we didn't think of the regulations. Mm -hmm. But I think that experience gave me like it opened my mind Mm -hmm. to like that aspect of you only need to solve a problem for people mm-hmm. and they'll give you money mm-hmm. and uh, that progressed so even by the time I was in high school mm-hmm. uh, 
that bug, they say once the entrepreneurship bug mm-hmm. bites, mm-hmm. it will always be there. So once, when I joined high school, I did a couple of joints, but immediately after high school, mm-hmm. because I had more time, mm-hmm. that's when I started uh, doing so many businesses. After high school, I remember I started a movie shop, mm-hmm. sold movies for a while, mm-hmm. when movie, selling movies, before Netflix came in <laughs> and spoiled our business the models. of the day. The Netflix of the day. At the time. <laughs> At the time, yeah. Mm-hmm. So we uh, sold a couple of movies. Movies, also opened a cyber cafe, mm-hmm. uh, did a few of those cyber printing jobs. Mm-hmm. And then when I joined campus, that's when I decided to take uh, my, now my entrepreneurship uh, into the next level. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started a, a computer repair shop. Mm-hmm. That's within campus because many people are having their issues with mm-hmm. computers, but now the repairs used to cost a bit much, but mm-hmm. I could provide the same services at a, at a smaller, at a lesser fee. Mm-hmm. So I did that, and then uh, gradually I progressed to uh, still in campus in my third year. Mm-hmm. Now started my first company, which now officially, because mm-hmm. all, of, all of these other things are being done unofficially. unofficially. Mm-hmm. So I registered my first company. This is now Oratec Solutions, mm-hmm. which is there up to date. It does uh, custom software development. Mm-hmm. And then two years later, after serving a, uh, several clients with mm-hmm. software solutions, mm-hmm. there's always this need uh, for them whereby they had solutions that they needed to get to their clients, but they didn't know how. Mm. So I spotted another opportunity, went ahead, uh, self-taught myself digital marketing and all that, mm-hmm. and now started now my digital marketing agency venture. Mm. So right now, I've from then, since then to now, I've mm-hmm. been involved in a couple of other companies, mm-hmm. but more or less that was how I started, especially with entrepreneurship. It's interesting how any entrepreneurship story or, or journey, mm-hmm. it has always been about finding the need, solving the need, exactly. getting money. Exactly. Finding the need, solving the need, getting money. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and the funny thing is, I don't enjoy spending money. <laughs> I used I used to think uh-huh. once I get loads of money, You'll spend it. I'll spend it and be like more or less live better. But mm-hmm. I realized uh, the more money I spent, mm. rather the more money I made, mm. the more money I was willing to invest in other businesses. Because mm-hmm. to give you context, like when I was doing the repair business, because mm-hmm. uh, I started it immediately during first year. Mm-hmm. That was like first year, first semester. Mm-hmm. Already, I had uh, looked at, uh, looked around, seen people have the need, mm. and immediately a light bulb moment clicked. I re- did posters mm-hmm. right away. Mm-hmm. I still have the first version of my poster. <laughs> Look at it today. I'm not proud of myself. Mm. I did posters and plastered them around campus, mm-hmm. and then started making money. And then at the same time. Two years later, when I started now my software development mm-hmm. projects, mm-hmm. my software development company, I started getting projects and what I was doing, I was getting this money and starting another business. Mm-hmm. And this business was an internet supply business. Mm-hmm. So my campus is in, was in, is, uh, went to Multimedia University, mm-hmm. which is around uh, Ongatarongai. Mm-hmm. So now, where I was living, I started supplying internet to my neighbors. Mm-hmm. So I'd gotten to a point whereby I was having like three income streams. You're becoming a cartel. A cartel. Eh? And, <laughs> and that, here I was thinking, do I really need to go to classes and study mm-hmm. with all this money coming in? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but for me, it's always been, once I make money, it's not about let me spend it, but mm-hmm. where can I invest this next? Mm-hmm. And where, how can I grow this, this money mm-hmm. and all that? 
And you see, that's how you build what you call... That's how you build wealth. Exactly. There is being rich, exactly. and then there is being wealthy. Exactly. So exactly. being wealthy is a whole different ballgame. It's a you. whole different ballgame. Because <laughs> you have to get used to money. Mm-hmm. They think that, for me, was actually one of the challenges. Mm-hmm. Because initially, you make money, you spend it, and then you realize it doesn't really make much of a mm-hmm. difference. Mm-hmm. Like, your life... If, if, let's say, right now, and... Uh, I've, I'm, I'm, an, I'm a, an, an ardent fan of Sadhguru. He normally mm. says, if you are not confident, there's, there's a more or less like a, a session in a podcast. Mm-hmm. Saying, if you're not comfortable by yourself when you don't have money, mm. it doesn't mean when you get money, things you will get change. Uh, but for me, was, before I got to that point, mm. it. I always used to strive to get more money to mm-hmm. see if it will probably make me happier, make me live a better lifestyle, but mm-hmm. I realize it, it doesn't really. So I'm, I'm not yet there to the point where I can say, I'm a billionaire, mm-hmm. like I've gotten the amount of money I need, mm-hmm. but as before I even, but I haven't gotten there, but mm-hmm. now I still realize even when I get there, mm-hmm. not much will change. Well, you see, that's the interesting thing, because... Being rich in itself is a, is a mindset. It is. It is. You do not necessarily need to have money yes. to be rich. Yes. Being cultured is a mindset as well. Yeah. The money just enables you to then practice that. Exactly. You know, exactly. And, and being poor as well is a, it's mindset. a mindset. And it's even mindset. with the money, yeah. you know, the way people win jackpots of five billion exactly. USD and. And the next two years they are broke. They don't have the money yeah, at all. Yeah, it's because they, they are even so. broke than they were before. <laughs> yeah, it's a mindset being poor and being rich. And that's an interesting conversation. Yeah. We probably would get into a little bit more, but probably on the next pod. Yeah. Mm. So, what are some of your daily habits as an entrepreneur that help you be able to manage your day, your work and life relationships, and to be able to? help you be efficient in okay. practice. Awesome, awesome. So, for me, not, I don't have a lot of practices. Mm-hmm. It's just three. And the first one is whenever I wake up in the morning, mm-hmm. there are things of, uh, before I used to slack doing them, but nowadays I've realized that they're quite, quite uh, impactful to my routine. Mm-hmm. So I have to work out for a bit. Mm-hmm. So, Either if I'm doing a morning uh, run, a morning jog, mm-hmm. or I'm just there more or less lifting weights and everything. Mm-hmm. And before I, re- I got to that, I didn't know that when you do exercise, like give you some sort of mental clarity mm-hmm. that can push you through the day. Mm-hmm. And uh, for me, I realized by the time your, your day is getting started, you've woken up, you've done your, uh, your, your let's say, workout routine and mm-hmm. all. By the time you're starting your day, your mind is so fresh and you can be able to analyze things critically mm-hmm. without mm-hmm. being biased. Mm-hmm. And it's a, something I've been practicing for the last one and a half years. Mm-hmm. And so far it has been giving me the kind of results I want. Mm-hmm. The second thing is uh, I always dedicate... Though I'm not regular on this, mm-hmm. but I always dedicate around 30 minutes every day mm-hmm. to just sit down and uh, and reflect. Either mostly during the evening, like what mm-hmm. have I done? Mm-hmm. If I don't have much to reflect on, I always have an article I'm reading. Mm-hmm. So I'm a big fan of this platform called uh, WeTracker. Mm-hmm. So what WeTracker does is 
They normally more or less uh, highlight stories of uh, startups in Africa, mm-hmm. what people are doing, especially around Africa. Mm-hmm. And what that gives me is normally context of mm-hmm. what kind of environment I'm in, what kind of problems they're working in as, as mm-hmm. an African entrepreneur mm-hmm. also. First of all, as an entrepreneur, and then in an African context, mm-hmm. what kind of problems are other people facing? Mm-hmm. And uh, what, da- what that does to me is it also puts me in line, puts me in check, mm-hmm. because sometimes you might be visualizing people need bigger, pro, bigger solutions. solutions, but in real sense, uh, and our friend, mm-hmm. my friend Shabani keeps telling, the, mm-hmm. telling me this, like, you might be there giving people solutions, tech solutions and all, but mm-hmm. people are hungry, mm-hmm. so... <laughs> yeah, hungry food. people, yeah, not so, go to the internet. <laughs> yeah, so, with, with Tracker, it always gives mm-hmm. me context of what's happening around Africa. Mm-hmm. And then the third thing, I meditate, not as frequently as I used to do, but mm-hmm. once in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll probably do it like once in two days. Mm-hmm. And uh, I always uh, resolve, resort to meditation, especially if I have like some sort of dilemma that I'm going through mm-hmm. and I need some sort of clarity. So what that does is you diverge from the problem, mm-hmm. clear your mind a bit, mm-hmm. and then have a look at it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there are much, many more practices I'm not... I, for me, also as an entrepreneur, and I'm sure you can relate, mm-hmm. you can never have like a fixed schedule of mm-hmm. this never. is how my day goes. Mm-hmm. Because entrepreneurship, there's always disruptions happening around mm-hmm. you, and you always have to learn to adapt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's very true, and especially when you talk about daily routines like meditation, exercise, mm-hmm. and sort of reflection and catching up with the context. Yeah. When you look at how successful big entrepreneurs are, mm-hmm. eh, You'd think that they, they don't have a lot of time, yet they still have time to do these things that exactly. you know, mm-hmm. form part of their daily routine. Exactly. And so, um, in a sense, then, those are what anchors you as an entrepreneur and helps you sort of progress mm-hmm. into the day. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, what do you enjoy about being an entrepreneur? Oh, what do I enjoy <laughs> being an entrepreneur? A lot. So, first of all, uh, I have an, an affinity for problems. Mm. I'm always attracted to problems. And uh, <laughs> this even cuts across from entrepreneurship to personal life to mm. how I view things. So I, I have this kind of mind whereby if there is a challenge ahead of me, mm. it excites me. Mm-hmm. I'm always excited by challenges. Mm-hmm. So, and once I get excited, now my thinking is, now, how do I go around this uh, mm-hmm. this challenge, mm-hmm. and how do using what I know, the skills I have, mm-hmm. how do I combat this challenge mm-hmm. and uh, come up with a solution out of it? Mm-hmm. And I think that has also influenced me being all the different stints I've done, mm-hmm. uh, entrepreneurial stints I've done, mm-hmm. because I look at something and then I'm like, the, here is a is a very good problem. Mm-hmm. I, uh, sometimes. Uh, uh, a mentor I follow called Chidi says, mm-hmm. calls them wicked problems. Mm-hmm. Wicked problems. Wicked problems, <laughs> yes. So like, here's a wicked problem, mm-hmm. and it's sometimes it's even solvable. Mm-hmm. But for us to for us to be able to find a solution for it, mm-hmm. we have to combat it, and there is opportunity mm-hmm. once you handle it, right? Mm-hmm. So how do you go about it? Mm-hmm. So the first thing that always pushes me is that aspect of how do we in any problem in any context mm-hmm. how do you solve uh, challenges mm-hmm. and I'm always out there looking for challenges mm-hmm. and I think they always seem to find me in one or another <laughs> and I keep 
I always keep tackling mm-hmm. new problems and all. Yeah. Yeah, because entrepreneurship is if you are able to find a big challenge and yeah. solve it, you make your money, you move to the next. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. And sorry, go on. Yeah, it's about like um, solving the, the challenges of the day. Because mm-hmm. if you make people's lives better, they mm-hmm. might as well pay you for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and also the next thing after solving challenges, mm-hmm. I like seeing people use the work of my hands, for mm-hmm. lack of a better word, mm-hmm. whereby, let's say, you've solved a, a problem, you've come up with a solution, mm-hmm. and you see 10, 15, 100 people using that solution, mm-hmm. I think that gives me joy mm-hmm. than the aspect of money coming into my pocket, mm-hmm. because I, I'm thinking now, I've made more impact to people, mm-hmm. and they find this thing useful mm-hmm. and that's way 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 more fulfilling than anything mm-hmm. else yeah. you made their life better exactly mm-hmm. <laughs> interesting so when you look at as, as an entrepreneur despite uh, all of the success that we often talk about mm-hmm. uh, the ratio of success to failure for entrepreneurs is like 10 to 1 mm-hmm. like you fail 10 times before you finally land on that success exactly. and most people look at the success and are like huh these people are always successful, always doing these things, and they don't see the failure part of it. And, and a lot of young entrepreneurs then become depressed because they, when they fail, they're like, why am I failing? Yet mm-hmm. all the entrepreneurs I follow are succeeding. Exactly. Not knowing that us as entrepreneurs, we fail quite a bit. Exactly. And I guess the question for you is, what have been some of your biggest failures as an entrepreneur and what have you learned from them? Okay. Mm-hmm. So before I, I touch on some of my biggest failures, mm-hmm. uh, something you said about we normally focus on the successes. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> initially, I think if you're a first-time entrepreneur, mm-hmm. the failure will always be inevitable. Mm-hmm. You it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> that you can't avoid that one. Uh, and the reason is it's not because you don't know how to do it, mm. but sometimes you find you're doing things but you don't have the whole context. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you might even have the whole context, mm-hmm. but the forces that are working against you mm-hmm. are stronger than your resolve to, to solve the problem mm-hmm. or to set up a business. Mm-hmm. And I realize, and um, for me, I'm glad I realized this early, mm-hmm. with entrepreneurship, you have you always have to approach everything whatever entrepreneurial stint you're doing Mm -hmm. it's a game Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and uh, with games you know there are two ways you can Mm -hmm. either win or you can either lose Mm -hmm. the odds are always uh, stacked 50 50 Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. so it's always upon you now approach it as a game and think now how do i make the odds to work for Mm -hmm. me Mm -hmm. and how you make the odds to work for you is how well versed am I in this, uh, in whatever I'm doing? Mm. What other, what kind of support do I have to ensure this is working? Mm-hmm. Does, it, does the market or the people I'm building this solution for, do they really need it? Mm-hmm. And I think, apparently, I, I, I tend to think that's where most of failure stems from mm-hmm. because we, also as entrepreneurs, most of us uh, are daydreamers. Mm. You are there, you see our problems, and then you visualize a very perfect solution, <laughs> and then you take it to the market. And the market. And then the market tells you, you know what? We actually don't need this. It slaps you in the it, face. It slaps you in the face, <laughs> and then you get depressed. Mm. So the challenge is always, always, always understand what people want. Mm-hmm. And then also, how do you understand people want? How, what people want? First of all, 
stay with them mm-hmm. get to understand like more or less uh, study their habits mm-hmm. how they do things and then try to see if the solution they're trying to do has been done in other markets mm-hmm. and then see why it's working there it mm-hmm. doesn't mean it will automatically work but mm-hmm. try to understand all that mm-hmm. and then once you do all that now come back to the market and engage them mm-hmm. sometimes it might work sometimes it might not but for me that's what i learned because mm-hmm. i've talked about the businesses i've done mm-hmm. but those are not all the business i've done mm-hmm. i've had massive massive failures in other spaces because mm-hmm. i told you like i get money and i invest in other things mm-hmm. and i've failed more times than i can't remember but for me i don't take it as failure mm-hmm. i normally take it as i found a way of not doing things mm-hmm. so it's, yeah. it's easier to 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 more or less digest it mm-hmm. so in terms of failures so uh so I've, i remember this one time i started a business with a couple of my friends mm-hmm. And uh, it seemed like a very viable opportunity. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was uh, pre-pandemic, mm-hmm. which was around 2019. Mm-hmm. So we we looked around and then we saw there was a need, especially around uh, uh, fresh groceries, mm-hmm. uh, people in Nairobi. <clears throat> we did our research and then saw that people in Nairobi, especially the middle class, they're very, very busy. Mm-hmm. So it will be easier if we could come up with a business whereby we supply fresh groceries to them mm-hmm. to their doorstep. Mm-hmm. So we invested, and it was uh, I, I was it was with a friend, and then he brought another friend along. Mm-hmm. So what we did, we sat down, uh, mapped out a whole business model, mm-hmm. mapped out a whole revenue model of mm-hmm. how we'd be making money. Mm-hmm. Uh, took our savings and it was quite a chunk mm. took our savings <laughs> uh, set up a business even mm. registered a business we were doing all this before we even gone to the market we registered <laughs> to a, ask people what yeah, they want exactly mm. registered a business uh, got some farmers from rural areas mm. bought some <laughs> I think it was almost half a ton of, uh, of fresh produce. Away, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> almost half a ton of fresh produce mm. brought it to Nairobi and then the market was like, nah, we don't need it. <laughs> all this time we were working with assumptions mm. that once we get this, it's They'll, like hot cake. Mm. Huh? People will buy it and then we live and mm-hmm. I'll sell uh, we'll more or less run out of stock before mm-hmm. before the week ends. Mm-hmm. When they are the first day and we remember we've been doing we had been doing marketing from mm-hmm. the inception mm-hmm. so already by the time we were selling we had thought people are more or less acclimated to the product mm-hmm. so it's just a matter of doing the conversions mm-hmm. a, a couple of people bought the first day the second day the third day no no interest mm-hmm. at all the fourth mm-hmm. day and we had we had uh, fresh produce of almost half a ton Dead that went stock. bad <laughs> that went bad this is fresh produce it has like a time limit mm. that went bad after that we came back to board and then you're like you know what this i think we did this wrong so let's go back and do it again mm. without still going and talking to the market <laughs> did it again mm. and it flopped lost quite a fortune in that business mm. it actually stressed me for a while <laughs> but what i learned from that is always listen to what people want and mm-hmm. then also baby steps mm-hmm. very important mm-hmm. if you're an entrepreneur baby steps is very are very important because mm-hmm. you get to to learn and grow your business mm-hmm. uh, without straining yourself without stretching yourself out mm-hmm. and then also you're able to adapt mm-hmm. if uh, if people need something different you're able to adapt to that mm-hmm. and really really do that before you can now scale it up mm-hmm. yeah 
So that was one of my failures. Another one was, uh, I remember I told you mm-hmm. a bit about the internet business. Mm-hmm. <coughs> so what happened was we'd gotten some cash and then uh, the apartment I was staying in at the time, they mm-hmm. didn't have internet and a mm-hmm. couple of other apartments around there. Mm-hmm. So I got my money. So for this one, I had, uh, I had already learned mm-hmm. uh, the inevitable failure, in the, especially when you're in a rush. Mm-hmm. So with this one, I took my time, so I started slow mm-hmm. and then scaled it out, scaled mm-hmm. the business and uh, grew it to, I had uh, three apartments as my clients, mm-hmm. we were around, I think around 45 houses mm-hmm. of people who used to, who was on a subscription basis, mm-hmm. but then I got so much engaged with, uh, with my other business mm-hmm. that I had to hire someone and uh, let them manage mm-hmm. this. And worst mistake I did, I didn't do my due diligence well enough. <laughs> the someone you hired. The someone I hired. Mm. So I started getting client complaints, and this time I was up and about traveling because mm-hmm. of my work. So clients kept complaining about the quality of service mm-hmm. and what and what and what. Mm. And I always used to ignore because I was like, ah, he's a person, he's a new person learning on a new job, by mm-hmm. time he'll adapt. And I missed all the red flags, and eventually what happened the guy ran away with all my equipment. <laughs> so, <laughs> ran away with all my... It was quite a fortune, because this equipment had bought over a period of one year mm-hmm. to scale it out and all. Mm-hmm. Ran away with all my equipment, uh, shut off his phone, and I've never seen him to date. Mm-hmm. So what that also taught me is the kind of people you're doing business in, mm-hmm. you really, really, really have to get to know them in Very and out important. before you bring them to your business. Mm-hmm. Because you might have like a flourishing business, mm-hmm. but if you bring in a bad person or someone who is not, mm-hmm. who doesn't have your interests at heart or mm-hmm. the business interests at heart, it's very, very easy for the business to mm-hmm. fail. Yeah. You know, they say when you bring a, a rotten potato in a sack of potatoes, mm. all of them get bad. Exactly, exactly. Mm. And these are things sometimes as entrepreneurs, we learn them the hard way. Mm. You have to experience yeah, it to the, know. It's the only way we can. <laughs> Interesting. Mm. So, um, this, um, how do I ask this? What are some of your, what are the top three a sort of recognitions that you've had as an entrepreneur, and this could be awards, this mm. could be features, this mm. could be uh, sort of the impact that has been recognized mm. outside there. Mm. What would this be for you in your journey as an entrepreneur? Awesome, awesome. So, I've had quite a couple, mm. though for me, I normally take accolades with a grain of salt mm-hmm. because. It's always other people recognizing mm-hmm. the success mm-hmm. without taking time to check on the journey and see the failures also, mm-hmm. which means, and uh, it's in the entrepreneurship circle, you are loaded for being uh, an accomplished entrepreneur. You're mm-hmm. not loaded for being an a failed entrepreneur, mm-hmm. which will be different. But just to speak on that, some of the accolades, so mm-hmm. one of the things I'm proud of is... Uh, uh, there's this project in Kenya called Tattoo City, mm. right? And uh, I remember when they were setting up, uh, now they needed a team, rather, they needed to set up systems mm-hmm. to be able to manage uh, how the work was being managed, how mm-hmm. especially the construction was being managed and all that. So I remember we, we, bided, we bid for that job, mm-hmm. and this was around three years ago. Mm-hmm. We bid around 2018, mm-hmm. 2018 mm-hmm. we bid for that job with the other more accomplished companies, mm-hmm. more uh, other com- accomplished software companies. Mm-hmm. And uh, l- luckily enough, mm-hmm. we were able, we were shortlisted to be able to do that. So mm-hmm. what we ended up doing was 
we built now these are the systems that were able to manage how work is being done how construction is being done how mm. communications are being done mm. so for me that was that was an emotional moment for me because and that's a very big it was a, project it was a very mm. big estate project because Tatu city is quite big mm. it is quite big and being more or less being trusted to handle a job to that capacity mm-hmm. it was really really it was one of the best considering mm-hmm. at that time my team had only four people so <laughs> <laughs> and we were going against mm-hmm. companies with 50 employees and mm-hmm. all that so mm-hmm. that for me was one of the biggest uh, uh, accolades uh, 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 biggest cognitions mm-hmm. another thing was uh, now as an individual i i was uh, one of the there's this other product financing company in kenya they're mm-hmm. called aspira mm-hmm. aspira kenya and uh, i remember when they were setting up in kenya this was still around the same time around mm-hmm. 2018 mm-hmm. uh, i got a call i got recommended through a friend of a friend mm-hmm. and uh, the guys called me and they were like we want to do this in the kenyan market mm-hmm. we want your help as a now as a uh, digital marketing consultant mm-hmm. to be able to set this up mm-hmm. and uh, i cuz aspira is not a kenyan it's not an mm-hmm. indigenous local company they come from mauritius mm-hmm. so i was able to have a uh, more or less an engagement with them and uh, advice on them what they need to do what they don't need to do mm-hmm. the way consultants do mm-hmm. but also luckily enough mm-hmm. they took my advice into consideration mm-hmm. modeled out a biz- more or less like they did a business model out of it mm-hmm. and they went to market with it and they got massive success mm-hmm. to date mm-hmm. yeah. so that also being listened to, and i remember at the time i hadn't even gotten to 25 years mm-hmm. so it was like here i am advising people <laughs> companies uh, people who've been in business for the mm-hmm. longest time mm-hmm. and they can actually they've actually listened Listen. to my advice mm-hmm. and implemented it mm-hmm. for me that also was a huge it was a huge it was a huge it was a huge achievement for mm-hmm. me so for me and I've, that has happened especially in other companies and mm-hmm. one thing i've learned is it's how people perceive, it's how you present yourself to people mm-hmm. how you perceive how people perceive you mm-hmm. it matters more as opposed to uh, how people think uh, rather than as opposed to the accomplishments mm-hmm. you've done the, mm-hmm. the milestones you've achieved mm-hmm. but being able to be listened your voice being listened in a room mm-hmm. that really really for me it's one of the biggest pluses mm. i can i can say i've had yeah uh, very very interesting so uh, this is second to the last question the question mm-hmm. would be you are part of the inaugural cohort of a very big entrepreneurship program called mm. Jasiri Talent Investor yeah. where they pick the leading entrepreneurs from Kenya mm. and Rwanda and prepare them for their next ventures. Mm-hmm. What have been your experience biggest takeaways as being part of this program especially as an inaugural cohort member? Okay. Mm. okay. I have two major, I have like 10 takeaways but mm-hmm. the two I can speak on because mm-hmm. of time. I think the first one is as an entrepreneur there's mm-hmm. someone out there who who's listening who's mm-hmm. looking for you mm-hmm. to help you take your venture to the next level mm-hmm. and it's upon you to look like it's upon you to open your eyes mm-hmm. and rather, and also be open to to these opportunities mm-hmm. because now with Jasiri they they took entrepreneurs who more are more or less running businesses mm-hmm. but how their process is designed is 
they need uh, the process designed for you as an entrepreneur to have a higher impact mm-hmm. than what you're having now mm-hmm. and this is just not focusing you on a local market but mm-hmm. Africa as a whole right mm-hmm. So for me, the biggest takeaway was, first of all, there's someone out there uh, looking, uh, looking to help you as an entrepreneur to, mm-hmm. to take your business, to take your skills to the next level mm-hmm. and impact more people. Mm-hmm. So you just need to look who and where mm-hmm. and go for that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Because also you really, really need to be good with the opportunities. Mm-hmm. If you see an opportunity coming up, mm-hmm. grab on it and mm-hmm. run with it. Mm-hmm. The second thing will be, uh, being open to the process and uh, for me this entails, now with Jasiri we are bringing people from different diverse backgrounds mm. and putting them together, mm-hmm. not because they share a common theme mm-hmm. but because they are working towards a common goal mm-hmm. and that is bigger than anything. Mm-hmm. So also that aspect of you're bringing different people and they have to work towards a higher a bigger, a higher goal than them Mm -hmm. and i think there's a country member who said this but hitching uh, your cart to something bigger than yourself Mm -hmm. so that also comes out quite quite strongly in jasiri Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. you find that you have as for me like for me Stephen, mm-hmm. so people are probably people on the podcast don't know, but Stephen and I are co-founders mm-hmm. and you're working on a, on a, on a problem in the health space mm-hmm. uh, uh, along the lines of non-communicable diseases. Mm-hmm. But you find all of us are more or less coming from diverse backgrounds, mm-hmm. but it's about what is the bigger problem that people in Africa are facing mm-hmm. and how can we, using our different skills and our different background, mm-hmm. how can we be able to attain that? Mm-hmm. So that aspect of being people from different backgrounds and mm-hmm. putting them together, mm-hmm. that for me is a very big, it's a very big opportunity mm-hmm. in itself. Yeah, mm-hmm. And it, it, it has capacity and potential to, mm-hmm. to grow bigger and further than, than you can think of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, the fact that uh, with the program, we are, we are sort of bringing experts in their field, you know, yes. entrepreneurs already experts in their field and bringing them together to even face a bigger challenge exactly. and try to solve a bigger challenge. Exactly. That's exactly. a very inspiring part of the program. Yeah. So, favorite quote mm-hmm. and why? Favorite quote. And uh, this quote has been <laughs> on my mind for some time now mm. and it was quite interesting that the other day we were having a conversation with you, Steve, mm. and uh, one of our other fellows called Brian, mm. and it came to mind. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's by Jim Rohn, mm-hmm. and it says, we normally we underestimate mm-hmm. what we can do in 10 years mm-hmm. and overestimate what we can do in one in year. One year. Mm-hmm. And the reason it's my favorite quote is, as entrepreneurs, even as individuals, mm-hmm. as, as young people, we tend to think or rather think we can do so much mm-hmm. within a, like we don't give ourselves room to to do rather to to grow and do things mm-hmm. but we tend to try we think rather we can do so much within a short period mm-hmm. of time and what what that leads to is we either get burnout or mm-hmm. we get disinterested mm-hmm. because we want to achieve so much within a short time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it also speaks to that aspect of uh, uh, instant gratification. Mm-hmm. We want to achieve so much within a short time. We want to do it now. We now. want to do it now. Mm-hmm. We, are, we want it now, rather. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, that as opposed to uh, planning it out over 10 years mm-hmm. uh, because 
Now we know 10 years is a long time mm-hmm. and if you have your goals and dreams it's easier for you to plan it out and achieve them mm-hmm. successfully in 10 years because you have time to try them to fail try them again mm-hmm. and uh, until you get to that uh, level of success you want mm-hmm. but if you want to do everything within a year uh, it definitely won't be possible mm-hmm. so that for me is a good thing also coming from a place whereby I used to try to do all everything at once mm-hmm. and now this is telling me like you have to calm down trust the process and mm-hmm. take your time to mm-hmm. to do all that yeah you know recross puts it so nicely that uh, he doesn't want to move fast mm-hmm. he wants to move correctly correctly if it takes 10 years mm-hmm. it takes 10 years mm-hmm. you know so and that i guess brings us very nicely to the end of our call today for everybody listening to this Share Victor's story and uh, share with your friends because some of the gems dropped here your friends need to listen to and to get encouraged to then mm. be able to continue the entrepreneurial journey. Definitely. And with that, that brings us to the end of this pod today and make sure to follow the channel uh, to listen to more interesting conversations with African entrepreneurs from the continent sharing their unique experiences as entrepreneurs in the African context. And with that, this is a wrap and see you on the next one. Adios. Adios. Ah. All right. Thanks for listening. And that's a wrap for this episode. For more exciting episodes like this, don't forget to follow our podcast, The Afropreneur Podcast, on all streaming sites. And visit our website at www.ogwenostiffin.com. See you on the next one.